Good morning, everyone. What a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord where the Holy Spirit is moving and speaking to us. What an awesome time of worship we had. I really felt the presence of the Holy Spirit ministering to my heart, and I know he's been ministering to your hearts. It's with great joy to be able to be with you today. Marilyn and I are home. Our actual home is in Colombia, South America, but we do have a house we stay in a few months out of the year over in Tracy, uh, here in California, and uh, we just greet each one of you and bring you greetings from El Centro de Fe y Esperanza in Medellin, Colombia, the Center of Faith and Hope Church, where we've been pastoring for 31 years, and uh, they greetings to you, and we're so grateful for all these years that you stood behind us with your prayers and your support, your financial support, it's just a joy to be able to greet you and thank you from the bottom of our hearts. I know most of you or a lot of you know your faces. I don't remember names, but uh, I'm so happy to be back with you again this morning. Uh, we are so uh, grateful for God's faithfulness, this is our 51st year as missionaries, and we were 12, eight years in Mexico and now 43 years in Colombia. We have five children and four daughters, four daughters in California and one son in Colombia and 11 grandchildren, and we were surprised that the second row here almost filled up with one of our daughters, her husband, their three boys, and our friend Pedro who came to be with us here today. What a great surprise, Sheila. She's our third daughter, born in Mexico. Uh, we have one born in the States, two in Mexico, and two children born in Colombia. And then we have three, two son-in-laws and one daughter-in-law that are Colombians, one Mexican, who's our son-in-law, and one... Colombian girl who's married to her only son. Well, we're living in revival in these nine Spanish-speaking countries that we're working in. For 12 years, I've been working with Pastor Larry Stockstill with the Project Surge down in the nine Spanish-speaking countries of South America. Then there's Brazil, uh, which is Portuguese, and then there's the Guanas uh, or Suriname, which are three little countries there. But I'm in charge of ministering in those nine Spanish-speaking uh, countries. In Medellin, Colombia, we've seen over 5,000 people come to the Lord this year in our central church. We have six churches in the city of Medellin, a city of over 5 million people. And uh, we've seen so many people come to the Lord. It's just amazing. When I think of the Mideast in, blazing in in war and in strife and in violence. The Lord says in Matthew 24, when you see these signs, look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. And uh, I just trust that we are preparing ourselves and winning as many people to the Lord that we can before the Lord comes back for his bride. 23 years ago, Marilyn started Mia. Mia, each letter stands for Mia is... Ministry to infants and adolescents. 
and it's an organization that she started 23 years ago and is working all over Colombia, starting uh, or teaching teachers to work with children and adolescents. And there's thousands and thousands of children finding the Lord through this ministry. She also started our Colombian school. It's a Christian school. Um, It has 852 students this year. We run between 850 and 900 students each year for 21 years. God has been faithful. It's the only Christian school in this large city that has K through uh, high school uh, studies. And uh, we're we're really excited to see what the Lord has done. For five years, my wife has selected, uh, usually it's the middle of July through the middle of August to uh, have an emphasis on missions in our school. And uh, we have our two youngest grandsons, our our sons, uh, sons, (laughs) and uh, they're in our Christian school. One's five and one's seven. And just uh, last month, they finished the school of missions or the missions deal. There's an emphasis for one month from about the 15th of July through the 15th of August, where they dedicate that whole month to emphasize missions for countries that are unreached with the gospel. Do you realize that there's 2.2 billion people that have never had heard the gospel, don't have any Christian literature, don't have any means of finding Jesus? That's why we need to pray and go. But anyway, um, they take the last week, of that, of that uh, month, they've decorated with the, with the teachers and students, decorate 27 of the classrooms with uh, emphasizing certain uh, groups, people groups, and, and countries that need to hear the gospel. And then they teach these kids. Our littlest grandson, five years old, he memorized all kinds of stuff about his, where his uh, uh, country is or his unreached people group is. And uh, I was able to hear him. I'd been on a trip uh, to Peru. And when I came back, they were going to take everything down. And I said, Sammy, I want you to tell me what you told all these people that came to see you during that last day of the mission's emphasis. And so he just stood up there like a trooper. And I think he's going to be a preacher like his grandpa, maybe. <laughs> anyway, he... he uh, he just shared uh, from his heart what he had been taught, and it was a tremendous blessing. Then that last week, they also go out for a few hours of the day, five days of that last week of the missions emphasis, and uh, we send them to different schools with some of the teachers, schools that there are not, no Christians there, and they testify to the kids that are their age, some of them older, some of them younger, and uh, we totaled up the, the people or the kids that had received the Lord. There's over 1,500 kids received the Lord through the kids' testimonies, giving their testimony in the schools to other kids. So we're grateful to the Lord for the way he's moving and blessing in Colombia. Um, Marilyn is going to have, and I just wanted to ask you to be praying. It's still a ways off. But next year... Uh, probably around the 1st of July, she will celebrate the MIA convention. It's an international convention where people come from 
the different Spanish countries and of Colombia. There will be over 600 people usually in that convention. And she and other leaders that work with her in our country will be emphasizing children's ministries for all of these different nations that will be coming and attending. So they need your prayers during this time. Just pray for Mia and their convention next year. Last week, um, excuse me. The children in each classroom uh, tell what they've memorized, and then the last week they tell about all these different things. Excuse me, I'm getting ahead of my notes here. Marilyn is also working with women in our church. She has a women's net. We have men's net, women's net, and children's net. I mean, uh, one of the, some of the children's net with uh, adolescents and children. And then we also have the net for the young, young people. And she works with hundreds of women leaders. And uh, I'm just so grateful for her. We've been married 53 years, and uh, I tell people, well, my wife uh, is 53 years old, but she's a little older than that. We've been married only 53. But please pray for us, and when you, before you go out, please look in the foyer, and you will see some of the literature that we brought with us, and you can take a prayer card to pray for us. Um, I want to speak to you this morning out of the book of Acts, chapter 20. I'm not used to speaking in English, as you can tell a little bit this morning, but I'm doing my best. Uh, Acts, chapter 20, I want to read with you verses 22 through 24. And see now, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. What a powerful scripture. As I read this and was thinking of what I should share here at Bethel, I thought, dear Lord, help us to catch a vision like the Apostle Paul had. I know you're not apostles, all all of you, but the gospel is to be preached to the nations, not just with the five-fold ministries, but every single one of us, blood-bought, saved Christians, are to be witnessing and winning people to Christ. And the theme here is none of these things move me. He's leaving from Ephesus to Jerusalem to Rome. And every town and every church, wherever he passed, before he got on his way to Jerusalem, there was prophesied that he would suffer great tribulations on this trip. And many of them were discouraging him from going. Many of them were saying, you may be killed. You may suffer greater tribulations than you've suffered. If you think about what Paul suffered, uh, you have to really consider what preaching we hear nowadays. 
We hear preaching, and it seems to me like it's like a different gospel than what Paul preached. Because so many Christians today, when they come to the Lord, they're not saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? They're saying, Lord, what can you do for me? It's a humanistic spirit mingled in with genuine Christian word. And it's very dangerous. We have no rights. We have been bought with a price. The price was a terrible price that God paid, giving the, his son to die on a cross. Shed the last drop of his blood on that cross for you and I. And the Lord has spoken through Paul and through many others through the word, the word that we see here. Paul says an exam, for an example, Galatians 2.20, it's not I that live. But it's Christ who lives in me. I've died. I don't have any rights. And so it, he says, none of these things move me. I will finish my race with joy. I will be fruitful to my calling and ministry. Paul is saying it doesn't matter what's going to happen. Because if they kill me, I'll have instant glory. If I'd have to sh- suffer... He suffered shipwreck. He was beaten almost 200 times with lashes. He was in prison. He was beheaded in prison. He, was suffer- he suffered. But yet his goal and his passion is, Lord, I will not permit that any of these things, these threats and this talk and all of this affect me. None of these things can move me. I will finish my race with joy. Notice that joy at the end. I see a lot of people in the ministry, some of them aren't so joyful towards the end of their race. God, help us to be joyful. It doesn't matter what we go through. It doesn't matter what we suffer. And I'm not up here as kind of uh, announcing that I've suffered greatly. I haven't. I thank God that I haven't had to suffer like some of these great heroes of the faith. But I'm willing to suffer whatever the cost is. Paul is saying, I'm determined. Webster says, I've reached a decision. My mind is made up. I'm unwavering in my actions and my attitudes. Many Christians don't understand that we have been chosen Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says that before the foundation of this world, you and I were in his mind. He chose you and I. And then it says that not only were we chosen, but we were predestined. We were predestined to become an adopted sons and daughters of him. He also made us completely acceptable In the beloved. What is the beloved? It's the family of God. This is the family of God here today. This is a wonderful church. I hope that you appreciate this church and are loyal in your church. Submit to your covering. Thank you for, thank you. uh, I want to say thank you to the Osgoods for them being pastors here for several years. And I appreciate their ministry. And we need to get behind the vision of this church. And that will help us to understand that God has called us to not be lone rangers, not to be out there alone. We need to have, be part of the body and be under the, the covering of the local church. Be faithful in our tithes and offerings. 
But Paul has understood all of this, and he says, we're predestined, adopted, we're made sons of God and, and daughters of God, and we've been redeemed, bought with a price. Charles Spurgeon, the great English pastor, said, all Christians are missionaries. Now, he was thinking about foreign missionaries and home missionaries. In other words, all Christians win people to Christ. And then he said, if they're not winning people to Christ, they're imposters. Think of that. That's not too many years of tr- uh, behind here. Several years have passed since his day, but this, the, the, the belief that these men of God have our church today needs a revival. Our church today and our leadership need a new fresh touch from God and to have this burning in our hearts to be winning people to Christ. The idea that we all need to realize our dream is erroneous. I hear people all over the place saying, you've got to have a dream. That's what the secular world says. Young people, you've got to have a dream. Grab a dream. It doesn't matter what kind of a dream. Just go after it. That isn't what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach that when I accept Jesus Christ, I have to die to my dream. And I have to say, Lord Jesus, give me your dream for my life. You've predestined me. You've planned before the, the world ever began. You planned my life for me. Now, I want to know that plan. I'm willing to, to submit my plans, and I learned that the hard way. I got saved in the, on a farm in Idaho. My brother Bill suffered epileptic seizures, sometimes up to, to five a day. And our family was in dis, disorder and bitter with God, and I was 14 years old. Bill was about 12. After two years of him having these seizures, no hope from the medical world. There was nothing they could do at that time. And one day, my dad saw a little notice in the regional paper there in Idaho where we lived. It said, Dwayne Bueller's coming to town to start a church. And he, it, in little letters it said, we pray for the sick. There was not one church in the whole, all the towns around where we had our farm that prayed for the sick. My dad called Dwayne up, and he came, just a young guy. He's still alive. He came, and he put his hands on my brother's head and read Isaiah 53, by my stripes you are healed. He was healed instantaneously and became a pilot, a missionary in Tanzania, in Mexico for many years. And seven years ago, he went to be with the Lord flying his helicopter. He had an accident and was killed, but he went to heaven for his reward. What a great God we have. If we will just ask him, Lord, what, will you, what is your dream for me? My dream was that I would have a, a farm. My dad had three farms. I loved the farm life. And I said, Lord, put your stamp of approval on my plans. And I began to dry up spiritually. I didn't have the, the joy that I needed. I was confused. And one day the Lord spoke to me in an audible voice. You need to give that farm to me. And I will tell you what my plans are for you. And as I did that, within five minutes, God called me to be a missionary. Praise God. God wants to move in our hearts. So, 
we don't ask God to put his stamp of approval on our dreams. We need to have, give those dreams to him and then get his dream in our heart. Um, we all have to, we, we all have been commissioned. Acts 1.8 says that the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you when you receive this spiritual impartation from his spirit. And what's the reason for the Holy Spirit coming upon us? He says, you will be my testimonies. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Bible says in Matthew 18, Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Why do you think God says that? We all know that God has all authority. He says, therefore, go ye into all the world. He's not bragging about all of his authority. What he's saying is, I have enough authority to give to you. I have enough power to give to you. If you will just submit to me and give your dreams over to me and give your life over to me completely, I will use you as an instrument to bless. You'll go forth and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded. This demands determination. None of these things move me. I will discover what my giftings are. I will find what God's dream is for my life. I won't just continue living the American dream. I will submit my life to God to seek him. He isn't a God that's a tricky God. He wants to show us his will. If we will but humble ourselves and desire to know what he has called us to do, we will find out what that dream is. I know that I will have adversities. I know that I will have testings. But none of these things move me. If you are determined to finish the race with joy, your life will impact many lives. Most people that fail, it's not because they haven't had the opportunities or the lack of talents or the lack of different studies. It's because... They are not determined. They have not come to the place where Paul says, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All these things that they're prophesying is going to happen to me. None of these things are going to move me. I know that I have set my eyes on my prize. My prize is the reward that God's going to give me one of these days. Amen? This depends determination. And if you're determined, God will use you. Napoleon said, determination makes you invincible. Babe Ruth, the great baseball player, said, it's impossible to defeat one that doesn't quit. <laughs> How many have realized that? It's not time to quit. It's, it's not time to retire. It's time to refire and go forward and be led by the Holy Spirit and do what God has called us to do. Ludwig Beethoven mastered the violin when he was five years old. At 13 years of age, he mastered the piano. At 20, he had studied with Mozart, Haydn, and had written nine musicals. 
But his hearing became to, uh, be, began to fail him at 20 years of age. At 50 years of age, he was completely deaf. And he was so frustrated. He would tell the people around him, his friends that lived near by where he had his apartment, I've got too much music in here to, uh, still. I got music in my heart. But I can't write it. And one day they heard him over uh, through the walls of his apartment to their apartment saying, I'm not going to let my adversities destroy what God has created me to do. And then later they heard him moving furniture around in his apartment. And they went over to see if they could help him. And they found his baby grand on his back on the wood floor. He was sawing with a saw sawing the legs, the four legs off the piano, or five legs. I don't know how many they have. Anyway, then when the legs were off, he set the, 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 the box that produces all the vibrations on his wood floor, and he would take almost all of his clothes off and lay flesh to wood and play the piano. And the vibrations from the piano to the wood caused him to be able to write his most magnificent symphonies after he was stone deaf. That's what determination can do. Many people are determined to make a million, two million, fifty million. But how many Christians are willing to determine? None of these things are going to move me. I'm going to be used of God. I'm going to be that man, that woman, that young person. I'm going to be that one that's going to Ask God, what is your dream for me? What is your plan for me? I want to do that. We see how that through the Bible, there's lots of people that really uh, had tremendous difficulties, but they overcame them. You know, even Paul says in Ephesians 4.14, I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me? Where have we heard that before? Doesn't that mean we can be determined? We can't do these things in ourselves, but through Christ we can do all things through Christ. There's so many different illustrations I could leave you with, but the time isn't going to permit it all. Um, we find Jacob. The deceitful one, the one that deceived his brother, the one that lied and, and cheated, and he was the second son born to his mother. He was the one that, when he was born, there were twins, and he had his hand a hold of the heel of his brother as he was born first, Esau, and then Jacob. Jacob was willing to, ready to fight from birth. He had that human nature that was determined to win. But Jacob soon discovered that through deceit, with sin in our hearts, we can never win. We need to find Jesus. We need to give everything over to Jesus. And one day, as he was taking 20 years after he'd been working for his uncle Laban, who was almost probably better, more deceitful than he was, he was taking his herds and his wives and his children and running away from his from his father-in-law and he heard that Esau was coming he was going to go home 
Jacob was going to go home and be in his hometown again with his family and with his herds. And then he hears that, that Esau is coming with 400 men armed to the teeth. And he says, I can't do this. He put his wives in a safe place, put his, his herds with the men over on one side of the field, and he went alone to a place and lay down on the ground to sleep. But an angel from God came upon him. And Jacob said, you bless me. You bless me. You bless me or I'll die. And he had this determination to be changed. And as he was struggling with the angel, the angel reached out his hand and touched his hip, hip joint. And from that day forward, he walked with a limp, touched by God. But not only his hip was touched by God, his spirit was touched by God. And he changed. Jacob became Israel, a man that seeks God, a man that depends on God, a man that wrestled with an angel. He would not let him go. It was hours they were wrestling. And the angel said, let me go. I've got to go. And he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. How many of you need a blessing today? I don't think we have to fight all day or all night to get a blessing. But Jacob, various things were happening in his life at that moment. And he was determined that he was going to be changed, that he was going to be rescued from death from his brother's hands. And through that wrestling and through that visitation of the angel of God at that moment, his life was transformed. And when Esau came, they forgave one another and they became a united family again. That's what God can do when we're determined to seek him. Joshua and Caleb, Numbers 13, 33, talks about how that Moses sent them with 10 other spies into the promised land to seek out, to, to spy out the land and see what it was like. They went for 40 days and they came back. And Joshua and Caleb said, we can take those, those cities. We can conquer that country and those countries that God has promised us. And the 10 said, no, we saw giants there. And they said, not only are there giants so big that we seemed, it seemed to us that we were like grasshoppers in their sight. Do you suffer from the grasshopper syndrome? Do you feel that the problems in your life are so big that you can't, you're overwhelmed? But there were two men there that day that said, don't doubt God's power. We can take them as, as easy as, it's, it'll be as easy as eating bread with honey on it and drinking milk. How many of you have a fight doing that? <laughs> anyway, they wouldn't listen to Jacob, Jacob, um, Joshua and Caleb. And so finally, finally, God said, look, this is really bad news. But I need you, jo uh, Joshua, to lead these folks. And you're going to have to put up with their unbelief for 40 years in the desert. 
And one by one, they're going to die out there in the desert sands. Would have been great to have a funeral service at that place. You'd be rich. Two and a half million people died in the desert and were buried in the sand because of their doubt that God could help them to defeat the giants. How many of you have a few giants lurching there in your lives? That that mountain, that giant is impossible for you. Well, I've got good news for you. The Lord is all-powerful. The Holy Spirit will anoint you. You have authority in the Word of God. You are a winner in Jesus Christ. And you can conquer any giants. And you can destroy those things that are coming against you and destroying your life in Jesus' name. But I, my heart goes out to these two. They had faith. But because of the unbelief of the rest, they had to put up with these unbelieving people out there in the desert until they died off one at a time. And then a new generation was birthed. And they had a different spirit. And God prepared them so that they could go and take the land. But what really speaks to me is in Joshua 14.10. Here is Caleb. 45 years have passed. They were in the wilderness 40 years. Now they've been in the, in the uh, promised land for five years. But Caleb hasn't received his reward yet of the land that God, through Moses and Joshua, had promised him. And he says, I'm 85 years old. My eye hasn't dimmed. I'm hearing perfectly. I'm as strong as I was 45 years ago. And he says, I don't care if there's giants out there. I don't care if there's, there's Nimrod's son out there. I don't care who's out there. I'm determined to take what God has promised to me. I can be an overcomer. I can be a conqueror. I can win people to Christ. I can be used of God. How many of you are listening to me today? God wants to use you. I know many of you have careers. Praise the Lord for careers, but you'll touch people that a pastor will never touch. You that have businesses, farms, whatever you do, God has placed you in a place where he can use you to reach others. And I hope that we will all have the Caleb spirit. I hope at 85 I can say, God, give me that mountain. <laughs> Amen? Today, there are more than 7 billion people on this planet. Two years ago, in November, they announced that there were 7 billion people living on this earth. Do you understand how many 7 billion are? I know it's a 7 and 9 zeros. If you would make a single file line, Starting here in this church. Now I'm saying that all these people in the world would get into this line. The line would leave from this front door. It would go around the world one time. How many times do you think that line of 7 billion people would go around the world? Don't get out your calculators, I'll tell you. 
not 10 lines, not 20 lines, not 30 times, not 40 times, not 50 times, but 54 times that line would go around the world. Do you realize that there are only almost 2 billion people that are Christians in this planet? And that's questionable because a lot of them are religious people that don't have any idea of what salvation is. But they would say, well, I'm a Christian because their faith is in what mom and dad had or whatever. They say that there are 2.2 billion people on this planet that have never heard the gospel. 95% of the countries and people groups of this world drink Coca-Cola. But 2.2 billion people have never heard the gospel before. Something is wrong in that equation. The church needs to have the determination of the Apostle Paul. None of, thing, of these things move me. I am going to finish God's dream that he placed in my heart. I'm going to fight and conquer in Jesus' name to win the lost <clears throat> at, any, at any cost. Today, God has spoken to my heart to tell you what I gave in this message. And I would like for you all to stand. And I would like to pray as we stand together. I don't know if God has spoken to your heart. All I would ask of you to do is open your heart to the Lord. Maybe there are some of you that don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And if that's the case, you can accept him. I would like you all to shut your eyes. And I would like those that do not know personally Jesus Christ as their Savior, to lift your hand. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you up front. I just want to pray for you. Are there any folks here today that would raise your hand saying, Bob, pray for me? I would like to know Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. If you're here, raise your hand. God bless you, son, daughter. Lord, I pray first of all for this one that's lifted her hand. In Jesus' name, I pray that they will accept you. Your word says that if we just believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, if we confess him by faith as our Lord and Savior, we shall be saved. I pray that that one will be saved today. Maybe there's others that didn't raise their hand, but it, God, I just pray you'll transform their lives.
And now I'd like you to raise your hand if you want to go to a new level of determination in your Christian life. I don't want anyone to go out of here feeling condemned. Jesus does not condemn anyone. The gospel is not a condemning message. The gospel is hope, life, joy, peace, forgiveness. And there is the need for commitment that goes along with that. But today, if you have your if you want to go to a new level, you you realize that you spend an awful lot of time on just living without considering the lost people that you meet every day on the street or at your work or maybe friends, maybe family. And you today are desirous of telling the Lord, Lord, I want you to do a new work in me. Lord, I am desperate. I'm desperate like Jacob was desperate. I'm willing to seek you. I'm willing to cry out to you. I'm willing to repent if I'm practicing something that's messing up my relationship with you. And I pray, Lord, that today you would take me to a new level. Lord, I bless each one of these folks. And I pray in the name of Jesus that they will make new decisions in their lives. That they will have their spiritual eyes opened. As one old lady in, in the mission field in Mexico says, Lord, let me see through your eyes the harvest that's out there. Lord, I want to be an instrument of blessing, an instrument of hope, an instrument of peace, and someone that can conquer the spiritual darkness and win through the power of Christ that exists in our life, in, the, in your word. We receive, oh God, today a new touch from you to be your hand extended. May Bethel continue to be a church reaching out to the lost around the world. This Antioch church with so many different nationalities. I pray, oh God, that you will bless this congregation. Bless Pastor Bill. Heal his back today in Jesus' name. And I pray, God, that you will help this church to continue to impact the nations, not only sending money and prayers, but going. I pray in Jesus' name that you will give them, each one, a special touch, a special burden, a special anointing, and a special joy to take your word and then confess, none of these things will move me. I'm determined. I'm going to shine for Jesus. I'm going to reach out to those that need you so badly, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.